This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 556, brought to you by Bombas. For the most comfortable socks you will ever wear, visit getbombas.com slash iFanboy and save 20% off your first order of four or more pairs, plus free shipping. Do you know Welcome to the Fanboy Pick Luke Podcast, episode 556. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Sup? And Ron Richards. Hello. And we are a fanboy. We like comics. Every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks their favorite book called The Pick of the Week. We talk about that book, some other books. We've got a lot of books to talk about this week. A lot of number one books this week. So, <laughs> so many that maybe, you've maybe underst- all we're talking about. You've understated <laughs> is what you've just done there. <laughs> Maybe no listener mail, maybe nothing else. We'll see. We'll it's, see what happens. It's funny because I always see, oh, New York Comic Con's coming up or San Diego's coming up. And I was like, oh, that's fine. you know. And then the books for the week hit me and I go, oh. No, it's, right. but it's never been like this. This was, this, we'll talk about it more. We'll but this, that, we'll segment. this was downright weird. This was, yeah, so. And I feel like I need to emphasize this section again. Here's your spoiler warning. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. This is a review show. If you haven't read a book we're about to talk about, skip that part. We go <laughs> to a lot of effort to put the exact times of when that happens. Yes, I can and, stop and doing that if you're not paying attention. I can I totally stop doing that. And totally stop doing that. For those of you who are new listeners, open up whatever podcast app you're listening to on this. Click on the, the this episode. You see full show notes with time codes. We spend lots of time doing that. We also list the... The song and the artist used in the opening and the close. So if you like the music, you can check it there. That's also on ifanboy.com. So Here's the, oh, I'm sorry. Just, just while we're at it, the music is also <laughs> listed in those two locations. Yeah, that's what and I said. It has yeah. been for some time. Yep. So, so anyway, spoilers coming. So if you haven't read a book, we've got to talk about pause the show or skip that bit. Also, the music is listed there. I just want to make sure... <laughs> People this know week, where the music is listed. This week, Ron had the pick. I Ron. did, and it was bound to happen sooner or later. Uh, but the pick of the week goes to The Flintstones, number four, uh, written by Mark Russell and with art by Steve Pooh. And, um, <laughs> I don't think and, is that right. Pooh? How else do you, P-U-G-H? Pug? Pew. 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 I don't mean Pooh. I mean, come on. He's a good artist. He's a, Actually, this is some of the best work I've seen him do. Like, it's really, really good. Oh, actually, I, the but, P um, is silent. It's Ugg. Pug. Okay, there you go. It's, it's, it's pronounced. Um, so, so I had already deemed this the pick of the week, and then I checked social media, and I actually I got to tip my hat to Josh for really summing up one of the reasons why it's pick of the week with his tweet on Wednesday, which was, the Flintstones right now is the most subversive comic book on the market. I said it was the most intelligent and subversive mainstream yes. comic book being published. Absolutely. And, I, um, and that was written concurrently. I think that your email said it was the big of the week right after that, which, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So so I I, I want to give you credit for that observation, but that did not influence my pick. I will. Uh, but, I want to give you credit because I would have never looked at this in a million years if you hadn't told me to, and I still don't know why you read it in the first place. <laughs> I was reading all those. You were all those Hanna Barbera. Well, I yeah, I was so I was explaining this at dinner last night, and I was saying I was like I was explaining to my girlfriend how you know Warner Brothers owns these Hanna Barbera t- licenses or title or, or properties, and every couple of years they need to do something with them to protect the copyright, which is what I assume this whole wave is what was, or maybe it was just the fact that someone at Warner Brothers was like, hey, we've got all these Hanna Barbera properties, let's do something with them, give them to the comics people. Um, now I'm speculating but my guess is that you know they get the email from warner brothers saying we'd like you to do use hannah barbera and someone at dc was like well we could just do run-of-the-mill archie style comics with these characters or we could do something different with them and what's what started this was the we the maligned that we made fun of the the hipster shaggy and and uh, emoji scooby-doo um, right. and, then, oh, and then, and then, you, and then you got the, and then you got the Mad Max wannabe wacky Raceland, which was just awful. And so, like after reading those first two, I was like, well, I want to see how bad this can get. You were going deep. And I was going deep. Yeah, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm going in. And uh, and so I started reading uh, the Flintstones, not looking at the creative team or putting together the fact that Mark Russell is the writer of Prez, which was the series last year that we loved. Yeah. Uh, that was amazing. Uh, that was political commentary and satire and all that sort of stuff. And knowing that the writer of that Prez series is writing the Flintstones makes this make much more sense. In that this incarnation of the Flintstones is a subversive satire of our world, similar to how the original Flintstones was, but in a in a much more uh, more pointed. Pro- pointed progressive way right now then i would say um and each issue has been a one and done issue there have been a couple of you know minor minor plot threads that go throughout it you know like the fred and barney being veterans and dealing with post-war stress and um and also the adoption of dino as their as their pet um but uh each issue for the most part has been one and done dealing with a singular topic and this topic is a thinly veiled story about gay marriage which it, it was well, mar- sort of marriage in general, but gay marriage well, becomes the flashpoint. Yes. Well, yeah. Well, no. But the idea being that that you there's no way to read this without in without applying what's oh, going yeah. on in our world today. And yeah. so, what the you're twist? Right. You're, right. you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So what the twist on this story by Mark Russell is is that in the world of Bedrock and in the Caveman and all stuff like that, the normal is is not they're non-monogamous. Uh, in fact, apparently there's a place called the Sex Cave <laughs> that you sex just. Cave. You just go to to have sex with people, but everybody lives independently, and um, monogamy is not uh, you know the mainstream popularized uh, approach to uh, living. Um, And so, therefore, Fred and Wilma, who are married, are very much outsiders, Um, and they go to a retreat to go you know to to, kind of a getaway with other married couples to talk about it. And you get a great little kind of picture. There's the, there's an old couple that's been married for years, and you get the you know the, the, they kind of hate each other. You know, <laughs> then there's there's a young couple who's who's together, but questioning why do I need to get married and all that sort of thing. Um, and all, while this is happening in the town, the townspeople are rallying around 
uh, hating people who get married and saying that it's wrong and they decide to go uh, protest this marriage retreat and you get, you know, picket signs say ma- marriage is unnatural. One man plus one woman equals two weird. God <laughs> hates dads. <laughs> God hates dads. I, I, I mean, that's so good. Yeah. That's so good. But for me, the moment was, and I actually read these, like I had them piled up because I, I was supposed to read them before and I didn't. And I, I actually just started reading them and I realized it was a new one this week. I, I don't even think I read them in order. I think I read four first, which didn't matter, um, which is important for people listening. Like read them in yes. order. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter at all. Um, but when Adam and Steve showed up, yeah. I was like, that's, that's very funny. That's actually <laughs> Adam and Steve. And, you know, given given the his prehistoric context of all the stuff, it's just... It was super, it was a lot of that. It was the same kind of thing like when we used to watch, uh, we used to read Chew like back in the early days before we got really used to it. Like there was that kind of stuff going on all in the background. And this is the same thing, but it's even like hyper level sat- level satire on top of it, which was happening right. in Prez too. It's it's definitely- it's it's very similar in tone to Prez, where it's Prez just, yeah. is a it's just a different setting. But the tone yeah. is, I mean, you you rec- I I read all four of these this week too, because um, once you made the pick, I was like, oh, I guess I got to read this now, and uh, it's very good. And the, and the tone is it. It, it's almost shocking what's happening with these with these books. That this book exists like this at all. That this the Flintstones are being used as a vehicle to criticize uh, capitalism, culture. The first, capitalism in the first issue, uh, religion and yep. consumerism, and now uh, the gay marriage controversy. And it just it's sort of shocking. I don't want. I kind of wonder if people in charge know this is happening. But yeah. um, that's that's what that's what I got to understand. I mean, I'm I'm I, and hats off to the team, the creative team behind it, and the editors doing it and all stuff like that. But like, does everyone know this is happening? And like, <laughs> if they don't, don't tell them because I wanted to keep on going because this is. I mean, it's downright like like, like I keep going back to that word you use, Josh. It's subversive. Yeah. You know, which is which is great. Which is I I, I love it because I feel like this is the kind of this is the kind of thing that. Comics has a history of doing, you know, going back to the 60s and 70s, you know, comics with an X, you know, kind of um, alter, alternative comics uh, to be pointing out the the absurdity and the admittedly, I know, I, I mean, yes, I'm, I'm uh, a, you know, liberal from the Northeast. And if anybody doesn't agree with me or us, then I'm sorry. But like, I'm not. It, but um you know but like this is the kind of thing that i think is severely lacking in today's world of comics and to see this coming from dc comics under the guise of the flintstones is just fascinating yeah it is and yeah i also think though it's i also feel like it is related to like we don't we think of the cartoons as cartoons but the flintstones was a prime time show and so there is also a history of uh, a context for this being you know, it wasn't just for kids. We saw them in the afternoons no. on reruns, but yeah. it wasn't that. There was a subversive satire going on of, you know, the family life of the 50s and 60s. So, yeah, that that it's it's not that far out when you think of it this way. This actually reminds me of, in a completely different context, but this is like when G.I. Joe Cobra was coming out. Okay. And we were just like, what? Is, actually, even the original G.I. Joe comic book, to a certain extent, that they'd taken this sort of property. and Oh, yeah. And, I mean, the original, yeah. it was all about the fallout, the psychological fallout from Vietnam. I yeah. When yeah. I mean, you go back and yeah. read the, those early issues now before it got super crazy, it was all about trauma from Vietnam. And that's, it, this, is, this is very similar. But, and yeah. at the same time, though, like, when you look at this, like, I don't think you can read this and go, oh, that's not the Flintstones. Because it kind of still is the Flintstones. <laughs> it's, it's, it's totally, it totally, I mean, it is totally still is the Flintstones. And like, right. so the, dumb the, as a rock. And yeah. The, that's the, really the, pretty. The, and I mean, it's all Bam the same. Bam Bam Strong. 
I liked uh, I like uh, Pebbles' T-shirt for Nick Caveman. Yeah, there's um, a lot of that. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of great puns. Uh, and then the, B, the the very very minor B plot is that while the Flintstones are away at the marriage retreat, uh, all of their appliances are start talking to each other, and you get to see like when the people are away and <laughs> a real and kind of sad. And they're sad. They're sad. <laughs> yeah, like they. they you know, like, um, What's a friend. Yeah, exactly. Just like this loneliness. Right? <laughs> um, so yeah, Anyone there, please open the door. <laughs> it was yeah. It was. It's really. Um, it's really. I good. love. I love Prez. I love Prez a lot. We loved it a lot. We talked about it a lot. It was pick of the week. Um, but I don't know if it's because it's a familiar property or not. But I think this one hits a little harder. Yeah, and even yeah. Prez does. Yeah, right, yeah, no, yeah. Because I think because I think. He's using yeah. the, the 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 property of mainstream media. Of it's like a big property, yeah. Right. And that's kind of so, amazing. Yeah. So I just wanted. I mean, but making a pick of the week, it, this issue completely deserves it. Like I said earlier, I think it's some of the best Steve P- P- Pugh. art. Pugh. Uh, it's, it's, I told you. It's, art. So the best Steve Pugh art. Uh, all four issues consistently yes. great. And really Mark good. and Mark Russell is not only writing funny stuff, witty stuff. But again, subversive and intelligent, and really makes you think. And I, honestly, this is great. I mean, like when this comes out in trade paperback, I'm thinking this is gonna be a Christmas present. I mean, this is like you got to read this because it's fantastic. So yeah, well, not not for us because we've read it. Well, you know, yeah, but for you some for somebody else, you know, who, yeah. So so if you read Prez, if you're listening to the show and you read Prez, you should definitely read, be reading this. If if I mean, it's it did you know they didn't really publicize this was from the writer of Prez. They they didn't pub- no they didn't publicize this at all. Like I think because they don't want anyone to know. They don't want Diane Nelson and her Batman T-shirt to know what's going on. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't want, and I want it to continue. Like I don't want anybody to like be aware of this or to ruin it. And like you could take Wacky Raceland, you could take Scooby Doo, you could take the like, even the other ones. I haven't read the newer ones that came out of the Flintstones, but Flintstones is just a gem in the rough. It is. It, it it's fantastic. So so what a, what a surprise. Hope- yeah, what a what a, like like bravo! If yeah. you, anyone working on this book at DC who's listening to this, and I know they don't listen, but uh, <laughs> uh, keep it up. Whatever we can do to help, this this book is awesome. So that's uh, great. Now, as great as this book was, I was very surprised that Superman number eight wasn't pick of the week. Eh, I mean, it was Superman number eight was great, and and it hit on a lot of things, but it didn't. I mean, I didn't. I, I, I mean, I'm sure you loved it, but I didn't love it. Love it, but Josh. You know, I'm a little in between. Like the whole way through it, I'm saying I didn't know how to feel at the end. Well, the thing is, take out. Right, okay, don't yeah. Don't even have the last. Don't even have the last page. I still think it continued on that feeling from the last issue that we loved so much mm-hmm. at the county fair. I thought. I thought. Okay. It's. It yeah. was the same kind of. Wow, this is really great. The, yep. the Superman character is great. Uh, the the stuff with the sun is really great. I love that they're sort of marooned on this weird. We're out of time world because of a science experiment. I mean, that's sort of a very old time comics. Um, even take out the very last page, and I thought this was a wonderful issue again. But I thought, okay, well, adding that, in the last page made it a very elegant tribute. I thought, yeah, it was. That was what I thought. Is is that? So I don't know. It's basically, like uh, this whole thing refers to uh, Superman and his son get get transported magically to the world to the island um, that opens up uh, the new frontier. Um, where Rick Flag is it Rick- Dinosaur Island, basically. Yeah, uh, Rick Flag is it Rick Flag? No, no, he was, no, it was Captain John- Storm and Sarge Peterson and last- Gunnar Wilson. Yeah, but who was the last one? John Cloud. John Cloud. Okay, yeah, right. Okay, okay, okay. Um, you know they all got the loser, killed. Basically. Yeah, the losers, and they were they were all they all got killed in the dinosaurs, and there was one guy left, and they didn't make it, and so he wrote, "This is the story of the losers on the wall." So it's a direct 
quotation from New Frontier, the, the first issue. Um, right. Which, according to the handbook that came out last year, is one of the 52 Earths. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously now it definitely is. Yep. So yeah. someone was like, is it canon? I was like, well, now it kind of is because it's one of the realities and we don't know why they're transported or whatever. But you you got to – and you know what's funny is that I didn't pick up on it. I didn't I, either. I read it early. I mean, I did. Like, I was like, this is starting to seem familiar. And I think when we saw, you know, once we started to get into the cave, I was like, oh, this is that. And then that last page yep. sort of hits me. And I guess I just didn't know what to think. I was like, is this good or bad? And then the more I thought about it afterwards – it was such. It was a loving tribute. Like it was just to to a mm-hmm. great comic book. And I thought, yes, it is good. They should have done that. Um, and I, I hadn't even thought about it the way that you said, Connor. But it definitely is like on its own. If you took that out, it's a father and son adventure with a dog and dinosaurs and superpowers. Yeah. And that's pretty good yep. too. Yeah, and, I, thought, and they, I think if you take this issue and the last issue together and you give them to somebody who hasn't read Superman in a while, so this is what Superman's like right now, I think that they'd be really blown away. But continue, Ron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I, and I agree. I mean, I, I like the tone of it. It's definitely more in the direction of Superman that I'd like to see. I like the, the addition of Superboy. I like the kind of father-son kind of adventure. Um, it works you know, really but, well. Yeah, yeah, it totally does. Um, you know, I, 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 and, the, and the, the tie-in with the losers and the kind of revisiting Dinosaur Island was nice, it was nice but it didn't, I mean, for, for me, it wasn't the home run that I think it was more for you, Connor, you know, um, just because I don't care as much about Superman and, and all Superman. that stuff. I really do hate Superman. But, um, but yeah, but then the, the, the last page with the dedication to Darwin Cook was, the, was, a, was a very, very nice tribute and a nice, uh, probably one of the classiest ways to tribute his yeah. passing that I think we've seen in comics yet. Like, you know, you, know, you know how to honor him best? Do a story that he would have liked. You know, right. and and that's what they did, and yeah. so I I definitely do applaud it. And listen, I got to tell you, that, I mean, Flintstones was great, and this was great, and we're going to talk about a bunch more number one books that came out. It was very difficult to make a pick this week because there this was a, a lot week. of quality. Been, it was a great three, week, yeah. three weeks in a row where it's yeah. been just a fantastic comic. I want to I, I, I don't want to not name uh, I don't want to name Doug Monkey here for his amazing work with dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, he's he's. I mean, he's already. We, we know, know how great he is. I know, so, but yeah, it just but, yeah, yeah. the dinosaurs, yeah. the dog, the way that the fights look in the air. Like it's wonderful cartooning. It's great stuff. Yeah, and this yeah. doesn't change the fact that I don't think Superman should be a dad. But if he's going to be a dad, at least tell good stories. And I think they're doing that so far. I, yeah, I, I, and and honestly, I'm more intrigued by the kid now than anything. If he's going to be Superboy, that's a blast. That's a like like a, a big. And we're going to talk about this later in the show as well too. But I'll introduce this theme: is that we're at a point now in comics where uh, comics creators and the publishers are wrestling with, you know, the same characters that we've been seeing for the past seventy years, with ushering a new era of of comics and characters and things like that. And some work, and some don't work. Damien, for example, you know, and right. and you know, and Nova, for an example, on the other side of things, and you know, and so that's a tricky balance beam to walk across and i mm-hmm. think that in this particular case with superman and the sun like i don't like superman but i'm intrigued by this because it opens doors to whole different types of stories to a new kind of character that i want to get to know and adventures like this well look at, so, look at it this way for a long time now they have had a really hard time selling superman stories the way that you know we think they should be you know right. and and by introducing this this character who is his actual son a lot of times that drags a character down, say, like it would in the case of a Spider-Man. Yep. But with this, I think that people, writers, everybody was having a hard time figuring with out young where... Superman? Hmm? With, with, with a younger No, but Superman? like what it was that was tying this, this... It was like his love for his parents was kind of the thing, for his adopted parents, was kind of the thing that was tying him to Earth. But now he has a stake in it, more mm-hmm, so. Yep. 
and it humanizes. I was trying to see if that's the word I want to say, but I'm going to go with it. Humanizes him just a little bit more where he has a fear now that he didn't have before. Right. He's he's afraid for his son, so he's got a reason to keep everything safe. And before he was a little maybe a little too godlike and this humanizes him a bit. That doesn't seem to work the same way with Batman. Well, it's interesting because Superman is always kind of the dad of the DC yeah, universe that anyway. Yeah. So that the vibe isn't that different. And I was about to say it doesn't work that way with Batman, but he also was because he always had his flock of kids running yeah. around. But he doesn't so, seem to be they never played super they never played Batman up for the fear that they were gonna get hurt. With their they're doing with Clark Kent here. Or at least no. he doesn't like he doesn't emote it in the same way. Superman well, he's not in here, touch with his emotions, obviously. Right, but Superman <laughs> here is like outwardly concerned about his son. It's like a big part of this right. story that's been going on, and it works really right. well. Of all the sons to not be so concerned about though. I know, but it doesn't matter. If you're a dad, like maybe that's just why it works for me. But it, like if you're a dad, you're concerned, even though you know they're perfectly capable. And, More and, and indestructible. He, yeah, and he has great. I know, and and hell of a dog. The dog stuff's been great, and, we, and I'm glad we we're back to classic crypto as opposed to that weird wolf crypto that we were trying to make yeah. us eat earlier. But switching to the complete other side of the spectrum, run. This was a sexy, sexy Green Arrow number eight. All, all I gotta say is Green Arrow, when drawn by Otto yes. Schmidt is one of the hottest books on the shelves. Yes. And when Otto Schmidt is not drawing it, it becomes one of the most frustrating books on the shelves. It becomes very pedestrian when he's not drawing it. I yes. keep quitting and, and then coming and, back. And yeah, this and this is though, and th- th- this this is a great example purely for the four or five pages of Ollie and Dinah on the on the beach. Like Wow, you know, and and I think, and it's important to note that Otto Schmidt colors this as well as draws it. Yeah. And I think having just the total control over the page and the imagery, I mean, that full page shot of them in the water, like, geez, wow. Like, well, I'll be, I'll be honest. And when you know, I started to read it, and you know, Ollie's on the on the island, and he's being attacked by a bear, and then uh, you turn the page, and it's the full page shot of Dinah, and she says, "I'll be your bright side." I I live it. Whoa, yeah. Like it's just there's something about it. It's they're they're a very sexy couple. Yeah, and even this weird version of them, and I don't, I don't still don't really love the ver- this version of of Black Canary, but even whatever it is, these two characters have it. Yep, and uh, it works. And 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 not even just the, the sexy pages in the beginning, but the entire issue. Yeah. I mean, th- this book crackles oh, with an en- energy when Otto Schmidt is on is on it that 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 isn't present otherwise, and and. I I'm be really curious, and this is what why I don't like the double shipping and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Because I haven't loved uh, Ben Piercy's story with the with the sister and the double cross and the trip, no, you know, the, all. And the, all the stuff like that. But had Otto Schmidt been drawing all of it, I wonder if I would have liked it more. Oh, or I wonder if what we like this issue because this issue doesn't deal with all that stuff. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but I, but it made me wonder that had he been drawing that entire yes. arc, would would I, would it have been a, a, a easier pill to swallow? So I have my... I have a question because I yes. don't know if I missed an issue or not, or I just wasn't paying attention in the last one. Now he I, I remember him ending up on the island. He's like, oh no, I'm back on the island. So then when she showed up, I thought it was a I thought it was a hallucination at first. Yeah, like, me how'd too. She get yeah, there? yeah. What what's is there any explanation for that? Not not that I caught. That's weird. And then he's not even suspicious of it. That was the other reason that made me think it was an hallucination. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't miss something, but that wasn't. No, you didn't. No. Okay. You okay. you also it still could be a hallucination. I it went on a long time and it didn't seem like it. And also there was character development that took place between them. Yeah. So that would be a waste. I think. Yeah. Um. But I hope that's not the case. 
I think, Ron, this book needs to be monthly. Yep. That and applies to a lot of things. But yep. for sure this one. I mean, this is, yeah. this is one of – there's a handful of books. I think Flash is the same way that – that that primary artist is so good that they need to, to, to only have them draw it. You know what? I yep. would even I would even it's not even good, it's appropriate. And like I, I think, think it's good. No, it is good, but that's not even it's like this guy's yeah. better than this guy. It's that this no, guy's a better fit than this other guy. And what yes. happens yeah. what DC's doing is they're not acknowledging the fact that the artist the consistency in the artist matters right. to the mm-hmm. overall well, book. And Marvels do the same thing. I mean, sure. uh, let's not give, let's not let, let's not paint DC completely alone in this. Well, I mean, Marvels—they both are doing. They, they they are sacrificing the continuity of art style in favor of shipping frequency, which is an overall judgment on the value of the comic book. Is that yeah. the art does but, not matter as much as the story? Now, now I have resolved the fact that that's comics now. Yeah, like that's that that, that's 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 mainstream comics now. Yeah, but I uh, but I don't like it. I mean, but like right. I, I was having a conversation with I'm somebody. I'm not blaming where, you. No, I know. Um, but I was saying how I, w- I was having a conversation with a with a comic with a with a creator with a with a writer over at Marvel and said how you know like I I'm coming to terms with the fact that the way the comics that we knew that we grew up with with the writer and artist on a run and that sort of thing uh, is not the way they're done anymore. And he's like, I he's like I absolutely agree with you. He's like, I don't like it either. I would much rather collaborate with somebody over a long period of time, but they're choosing shipping frequency over consistency of creative team, um, which I think honestly is an insult to the artist because I think it devalues what that's, they're doing. That's what yeah, that's so, what I'm getting. But also yeah. at the same time, the other thing, you know, it wasn't moving units. And this yeah, does, right. and ultimately, I, I can't fault them for that, but it sucks. It's well, it's only, moving, it's only moving units because they're offering more units. I know, right. but they couldn't... You know? But the, but the thing is, just having a good comic doesn't doesn't move units, is, is, the, is the sort of part right. that sucks. That's what's the, only, the only thing moves units is offering the units. Like, if they offered all these books week, you know, weekly, mm-hmm. yeah. it would severely damage the, the creativity, but it would sell more comics. It's just because yeah. people buy them. Yeah, so... Oh, God, did I just put that out there in the universe? Oh God, I think he did, but uh, but yeah. Anyway, but yeah, but but Otto Schmidt man is the shit. He is great. Yeah, I was so happy when I saw his name in the cover. He's the Schmidt. Yeah, he's the Schmidt. He's the Schmidt. So. All right. Well, so uh, before we get to the parade of number ones, we want to thank our sponsor for this episode of My Fanboy. And this episode is brought to you by Bombas. Uh, yes, uh, you probably never heard of Bombas, but you should take notice because Bombas are socks that are engineered and designed to look, feel, and perform better. Bombas are all about comfort. And I can speak from experience. I was introduced to Bombas about a month ago. I bought a pair. I bought a pair of socks to try them out, and I'm completely hooked and on board. In fact, I'm wearing a pair right now. Um, <laughs> the reason why is because uh, they're made with this. I don't know. Well, they told us it's a long staple Pima cotton, but it's incredibly soft and breathable. It's like very, very comfortable. Um, I got a pair of the uh, ankle socks, which is new to me. If you, Josh and Connor, you know me. I, I like my wife. Wow! Wait a minute. Hold on, uh, yeah. <laughs> Our little boys all grows up. So uh, I, I picked up I picked up a pair of the ankle socks to try them out, and these things are made like no other sock I've ever seen before. First off, in the in the middle section, they've got this like honeycomb. Uh, stitching pattern the, uh, that they call the honeycomb support system, which gives better support in the arch and actually helps to keep the sock from sliding down. Um, they've got a individually Y-stitched heel that uh, like, that just fits the heel perfectly. And then what's great with the ankle socks is that there's a little thicker blister tab up along the top that stops from any sort of blisters or rubbing or chafing or 
my problem with ankle socks has been they fall down and fall under my heel, and then I get a yes. bunched up. So- you know, I hate that feeling. I've been wearing Bombas for about a month that has not happened once, which I oh, think is really? amazing. I got to say, yeah. I don't think I've ever heard you be passionate about socks, and I yeah. I feel like this is a little authentic, too, and it's weird for me. It's good. They're great. Also, so, you pronounced it, Pima Cotton correctly, which, you know, given your track record, bravo. Yeah. So they've got ankle socks. They've also got calf socks that have got great tension and elasticity that stay up. They're not too tight. They don't slip down. And they've got a 100% happiness guarantee. Uh, they say you'll love your Bomba socks or you'll get your money back. But here's the thing. Uh, they're not only one of the most comfortable socks I've ever worn, but I feel pretty good about buying them because for every pair that you purchase from Bombas, Bombas donates a pair to those in need. Um, socks are actually the most requested item in homeless shelters, and to date, Bombas has donated almost one million pairs of socks to folks who need them, which is great. So when you buy a pair of socks, they donate a pair of socks. So you do something good in return. Uh, that's why we're happy to have them uh, helping out iFanboy. So go to getbombas.com slash iFanboy. That's G-E-T B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash iFanboy and we'll have a link on the show notes of the on the website. You can link to it. And if you go there, you'll get 20% off your first purchase off four more pairs plus free shipping. If you don't like them, they'll, uh, they, they, they get 100% happiness guarantee. They'll, they say you'll love them or you get your money back. Uh, so go to getbombas.com slash iFanboy uh, and we thank them for their support. He's a big bombas general. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so as we mentioned earlier, uh, a unnatural amount of number ones <laughs> came out this, this week. Like, it was, I mean, honestly, it was, I mean, and we, we're talking about how many? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We're going to talk about nine of them now. And there's ones that didn't make the cut. Like, we're not even we're not even talking about Shade the Changing Girl or Midnight or Apollo or any of those. those like, there were, yeah. yeah, there were so many number ones this week. But all right. So, but the first one, uh, you guys are going to make fun of me, but uh, Enchanted Tiki Room number one from Marvel. <laughs> I, I, I kind of knew you were going to read this. Yeah, it's not surprising, but also, yeah. get on with it. <laughs> How close this came to be pick of the week? I can't even tell you. Um, this is another book in the in Marvel's been doing some uh, uh, Kingdoms books, which are books that tie into uh, Disney World and Disneyland and the Magic Kingdom. They've done the Haunted Mansion. They've done the the uh, they've they've done other ones. I have I, I haven't been reading them. I'm a big Disney fan. I'm a bigger fan of the Tiki Room. Um, this was delightful. This was wonderful. It was basically they've created an island, which is they're basically mirroring Fantasy Island, where people come to the Tiki Island to see the Tiki birds, and uh, it was just a fun little romp in the world of the Enchanted Tiki Room at Disneyland. So uh, uh, great. Uh, Horatio Dominguez did the art, good cartooning. Um, you know, like, and if you're not a Disney fan, I I don't see anybody else being interested in it. But I, it's not as subversive as the Flintstones. But I like the like the couple pages in. I'm like, oh, it's Fantasy Island. Okay cool and then i got excited and i had fun with it so and that's the most important thing i had fun with it so. all right <laughs> cage cage number one from uh jendy tartakovsky who is uh, a big animation guy i this was weird <laughs> <laughs> like i i i enjoyed it i, I always I, I like his art style he's got a very unique art style um yeah. and i enjoyed the story but in light of yeah, like Power Man and Iron Fist, and the Cage uh, Luke Cage TV show. I mean, this was it. Just felt, and I felt myself saying, "Is this okay?" A lot I, during while I was reading it, and yeah. Also, just at a continuity point, he's so. This is a story of Luke Cage when he's wearing the yellow shirt and the other tiara and the chain belt, the classic seventies, uh, seventies. He, yeah. But he, he's not called Power Man; he's called Cage. 
But he, yep. this, this, when he wore this outfit, he was Power Man. Um, so that was a bit weird, but I, yeah, I, don't I know. believe that this was put into motion a very long time ago. Yes, I remember it being announced at least over a year ago. Oh no, Which no, is no, just no much longer. I think I think it was like a long time ago because I know somebody used to work at Marvel and they said they were involved with it, and he hasn't been at Marvel for a long time. Well, Aubrey, yeah, because he's listed in the credits. Yeah, and he, I mean. I, yeah, I mean Aubrey Citizen is, is Aubrey Citizen is listed as an editor. Aubrey Citizen with Tom Tom right. Brevoort as editor, and he yeah. hasn't worked there in years. nearly a decade. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is ten years old story. There, you're saying. something like that. And and I just gotta wonder. I mean, like this is. I mean, this was this was great. I mean, this almost reminded me of a. Um, like an infinite kung fu, or like a uh, you know, like it's very much black exploitation, you yeah. know, kind of over the top, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and it, it, like you said, Connor, it's well, well done. It just the timing of it just seems very odd. It does because if you go into the shop, I like that show. What do you got? This is the they can't most. Do this. Yep. Yeah, it's the most obvious thing to hand to somebody, and I, I think that's not going to give you what you want, yeah. unless you really like that one. Anyway. Now I did like uh, that one scene. Yeah. Um, I did like I did I didn't expect I, to see Cyclops. I, know, I was going to say old school yeah. Cyclops. I got to yeah, that and I was like, Cyclops. "Well, Ron would like this." Yeah, I mean, it was fun. I it mean, was and, fun. And the, but the thing is, is that that anybody who reads it has to understand that this is a a retro romp. You know. Yeah. So, well, let's give people credit for it, and maybe they will understand. It was good. It was good, though. It was fun. I mean, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I, I, yeah. I thought it looked, looked wonderful, and the story moved really well, and it was fun. But yeah, it's definitely not the tone. From Power Man and Iron Fist, I can't say if you if you're a fan of Power Man and Iron Fist, you should get Cage. Right. Also, or, or if you're a fan of, or, or if you're a fan of the TV show, should you get this? Or if you're a fan of Luke Cage for the past 10, 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Also, he's uh, he's he's called Power Man. The, the book is called Power Man and Iron Fist, but he's called Cage. But in this book, it's called Cage, but he's Power Man Iron. He's Power Man, but he's not called Power Man. It's very confusing. That's really you're, that's really you're, unstuck on that. You're really stuck on. on the Power Man thing. You really. Yeah. Are. It's just bizarre. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, um, his not wife, as, not, not as bizarre. Yeah, his wife. Uh, the great writer Thomas Wolfe once wrote, uh, "You can't, you can never go home again." And uh, Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Gatiss are challenging that with the uh, Jessica Jones number one, which came out this week, with the big old parental advisory on the cover, uh, which I thought was funny. Um, but you know, the return, the original team of Alias that created the character Jessica Jones, now nearly a year after her successful Netflix TV series, uh, returns <laughs> for a solo series. Jab. And I'm of two minds on this. Oh, I'm right with you today. Okay, good, great. Uh, hopefully, you're with me on two minds. One is that I that Gatiss and Bendis work great together. There's a great rhythm, and it's and it's got that. It's reminiscent of that feel of of how Alias was. Um. This character of Jessica Jones has evolved since Alias, and I feel like nobody told Brian Michael Bendis. Well, he's he's the one who evolved her. Well, not he in all. Her, he wrote not, her no, into Avengers. Different. I he, mean, he did. Yeah. No. He. Had, but but then pulse. other people have taken her and and written her and evolved it. And like the character is no longer just his, and he's writing this as if it, he's. I feel like this is an older characterization of Jessica Jones that doesn't line up with what's been happening now. All right. And and I'm kind of like I kind of wish they didn't do this. So. I know. I don't, what you're I, don't agree, I don't agree. With I don't know that I agree with you in the way that because I th- I think he's aware of it because the storyline because we didn't because for a while you're reading you're like when is this supposed to take place, right? And then the reveal at the end of it's happened now and and uh, here, here's that spoiler alert. 
so the last panel is Luke Cage. The whole time people are saying, where is she? Where is she? And she's just ignoring it because she's going back to doing whatever it was she was doing before Luke Cage came along, basically. Um, And at the end, Luke Cage is standing there and he says, where is our baby? And so it's almost like she has gone back in time, but nobody else has. And I feel like that's the story. Right. And we don't know yet. So my two thoughts on it were that it doesn't feel like this needs to exist because it feels like we're going backwards. But at the same time, I was like, that's a pretty interesting story. Because I I was really curious. I mean, that's what I was wondering the whole time. What is going on? But he did that on purpose, which is what that last page tells us. So he's he's playing with us you know in the good way yeah no, I, I believe that i mean but the thing is like even and maybe it's just because it's gatus or because it's the tone of the book or what's going on but this even feels different than jessica written in the page of spider-man a couple of weeks ago with my right, but, but we've also said that we didn't really like that version. true 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 and so this is the version that we love alias is one yeah. of the best books of the last 20 years um yeah, yeah. and yeah it's weird it's weird it's not quite as good because it's a bit. It is a bit more in the Marvel universe than the old book was. Yeah, um, it feels a bit lighter, but this is still the version we prefer. At least that's yeah. the last time I last I checked. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It just, it just I don't feels... feel any. I don't feel any kinship to Jessica Jones. Which is what I'm saying. Outside of in the last five years. Yeah, she was in in, in the a New Avengers book a lot, but once Bendis stopped writing that book, I don't think I've seen her at all, except for when she yeah. randomly pops up in other books yeah. but on a regular basis so i don't really have any affinity for her whatever characterization is right now yeah also, well, and, I, 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 and that, that also and that also ties into would now maybe i'm coming around to what you're saying because i feel as if once they had the baby it really kind of stunted what going back to what we're talking about with superman like what yeah. made jessica jones really interesting as a character yes. she just became this holding the baby yelling at luke to be careful yes you know so exactly. yeah yeah. All right. Well, all right. Yeah. yeah all right. Well, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. Okay. Yeah. But I think the most important thing you said was that they have a really great chemistry, Venice and Gatos. Yeah, absolutely. So. All right. Uh, so then also we got uh, Archie meets Ramones, number one, uh, in the in the grand uh, tradition of the Archies meeting celebrities. Uh, Should it be the Ramones? That's a good question. No, I think it's just, no, it's just Ramones. I don't, I don't think they're referred to as the Ramones. It's just the Ramones. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. But uh, did you guys, am I the only one who read this just because no, uh, no, I, I like these? Oh. Yeah, no, wait, you, you know what? No, I didn't read it. <laughs> I, no, I had like, I got it and I planned to read it because I was like, I got to get to that this week. And I just realized that in the onslaught of ones, I did not read it. Oh man, you missed out because this is a ton I'm, of fun. I've got, I've got it. I've got. I've said, yeah, I, I was funny. like, well, I was about to talk, and I was like, why don't I remember anything about? I don't know. I didn't read it. That's why. Go ahead. I, I mean, this is this is. Uh, it was written by. Uh, it's co-written by Matt Rosenberg and Alex Segura, who we we full disclosure we are friends of ours. <laughs> but um, but of the people to write it, these those two guys are some of the best positioned because they are both extremely passionate about music, um, and the the history of music and, and nerds. the idea. And nerds, yeah. And the um, so basically, what happens is that the Archies are, are a band, and they're they're in a battle of bands, and they're doing awful, and they're about to quit. And then Sabrina, the teenage witch, hands uh, 
Archie a copy of the Ramones' first record, and that magically takes them back in time to 1976 to New York City, standing outside of Max's Kansas City, where they, they meet the Ramones. And they explain to the Ramones that they're in a band and they're no good. And then the Ramones are like, oh, well, we'll help you. Here's a list of things you need to do. And they send them on a wild goose chase through New York City, basically living out uh, Ramones songs. And then uh, the Archies go back to the Ramones and said, we did all the things you did. we told to do. And they're like, oh, that's funny. We, we were just messing with you. Which I feel like is a very Ramones thing. Yeah. <laughs> but they give them the lesson that was don't play for anybody else. Play for yourself and just have fun. And that's when they remember it. And then the Archies become a good band again. They come back to the present. They win the Battle of the Bands. All's good. And it's a great little Archie story. And so. downstrokes. Constant downstrokes. Yes. <laughs> Never an upstroke. Yep. Uh, but I think the best moment of the book is that Archie is able to get his dad a signed first pressing of the first Ramones record from the adventure, which is a nice thing to do for his nice. dad. Uh, so. uh, 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 number one. So does this continue? I guess so, because it was number one. So I guess not necessarily. I mean, every one shot is listed as number one. Oh yeah. Usually, uh, I hope- I mean, Archie meets the Punisher wasn't an ongoing. You know, it was good just point. All right. Archie meets Kiss was just a. Oh yeah, no. The back of the book says this exercise one shot spectacular. Yeah, oh well. They're all just one shots. Yeah. Oh well. It's still number one though. It counts. Still number one. Okay, moving on. So I'm very curious, Ron, oh, about fuck. what you think about Death of X <laughs> number one, which is the uh, four issue miniseries, which explains goes back in time to explain uh, what happened to the X Men and in their through their conflict with the Inhumans. This carries on the grand tradition of heroes fighting heroes. Written right. by Jeff Lemire and Charles Soule, who write, uh, let Jeff Lemire writes Extraordinary X Men, and Charles Soule writes The Inhumans. Drawn by Aaron Cooter. Yep. Uh, let's talk about him before we get get into. Well, yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna say let's let's highlight the good, which I would say was Aaron Cooter. Um, I loved the art. I mean, we we, yep. we 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 we've talked about him a lot. He wrote, he did a lot of Superman last year, but when Aaron Cooter first came on the scene, he was very much a Frank Quietly disciple. Yep. He, he did find his own style, but you can still see Quietly in there. Yeah, so I thought for this particular story, him drawing these characters, I thought it felt right. Like I'd, yeah. I'd be happy with him drawing an X Men book. Um, I, I, yeah, and what's interesting is that I have to go back and look to see who colored his Superman work and his previous work. I, I don't love Maury Hollowell's coloring on this. Um, right. I, I feel like the, I feel like this is a case of kind of reminiscent of of some of McKelvey's early Marvel work when they put a color on him that just yes. kind of for McKelvey it ruined the book. I wouldn't say this ruined it, but there was a couple of points where the coloring and the highlighting gave definition and and I feel like uh, affected the art more than it should have. Yeah, well, among other things, you know, some cheekbones and some yeah. things like that, you know, where, you know, just a, a little weird kind of color choices, a lot with the Inhumans, like when uh, uh, they're using their powers and things like that. So I don't know. But um, it's definitely Marvel style coloring, which is to overcolor. But yeah. I think the pencils are great yeah. and the inks are they're great. great. They're fantastic. Story wise. <laughs> and and I, I'm re- trying real hard to be, you know, level headed you know, fair and not just bleeding, bleeding red X fan. And I, I'm, you know, I'm a huge, huge Jeff Lemire fan. Um, but uh, this is, this is just lazy garbage. Um, and I'll tell you why, because uh-huh. 20 years ago, 15 years, no, about 20 years ago, um, they had the legacy virus that was killing mutants and oh, mm-hmm. who died? Madrox died. And it was just like, really, we're just going to go note for note. And just instead of the legacy virus, plug in the Terrigen mist. Like that's all that's it, it just felt as a longtime X-Men reader. This this 
just continued to fuel my discontent for what's going on now with all this inhumans jamming in and the ridiculousness of the Terrigen Mist and basically repeating a storyline they did 20 years ago, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which I just think is, you know, and, and maybe Lemire and Soul don't know that. Maybe it's editorial leading them in that direction or, what you know, and maybe they're just executing on like, listen, this is what needs to happen. And then I don't know. But there was nothing in this that redeemed it more than as a longtime X-Men reader reading it and going, oh, this is just they're just doing it again, just doing it again. Um, and it definitely isn't didn't provide any payoff or any any sort of like, oh, OK, that may that, you know, and I understand this is a miniseries and we're going to see the whole story pay, pay, play out. But the displacement between the past, however many six months to a year of the X-Men world where we didn't know what was going to happen. And it's like, oh, this is what's happening. Like, it just uh, it, it just bothers me. So it feels like a weird story to be telling. Yeah. I mean, we've already moved so far beyond it. Yep. At this point, um, we know that the Terrigen Mists were, were poisonous to the, the mutants. It's already been explained. It's already been shown in other books. Yep. So the big revelation here that the mists are poison is there's no punch to it because I knew that already. Right. Um, and so I don't really... I think the only real mystery here is how does Cyclops die, I think. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I'm going to read it because I like the creative team. Um, and I like the X-Men. We don't get to see... you know Other than yeah. the... You know, we don't get to see Cyclops anymore, so I'm going to uh, read it. I mean, I mean, if killing Cyclops is what takes getting rid of that awful X costume, then maybe maybe it's a good thing. But uh. I like the, the mask as him as a bad guy. Now, obviously, you don't like him as a bad guy, so the mask... I mean, well, I don't think he's a bad guy. He's not, a, he's not a bad guy in this. He, well, the bad guy never thinks he's a bad guy, but he's... Well, he's not he's a bad, bad guy. He's not a bad guy. He's the I greatest gosh, of them all. I love He's this. the greatest of them Please do this for the next five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he's been the bad guy for like five, six years. No, he's but... not the bad. No, he's not. The, he's not. No, he's not. He just ha- he has a position. That's all. And you know, like if you ask me, the beast. <laughs> all right, stop. I can't. You see, I go down too far. I go down too far. <laughs> no, please continue. Tell us about Beast. <laughs> beast. Beast is nearly a supervillain. Kang level supervillain. Kang level. Yeah, he traveled through time and fucked with the timeline. Right, and brought you your favorite X Men book in the last five years. Well, well, well not, not, I mean, that, but that's not saying much. <laughs> I did really enjoy the return of the Scott Emma Frost banter. Yes. Yep. I think they're they work really well together. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Whatever. I'll keep reading it, but it's more of hate reading. So, <laughs> all right, let's move on. Moonshine. Uh, Moonshine number one. Who read Moonshine number one? Brian Azzarello, I, Eduardo Riso. I did. I read Moonshine number one. So the the creative team, Brian Azrael, Edward Riso of 100 Bullets, um, along with, and we talked last week about the import about the the heralding of Karen Berger with Surgeon X. I think Will Dennis deserves a nod here. His return to editing comics, oh, I really? believe. Oh, that's, yeah, that's evident. Yes. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Well, in a great way. Also, that's the good way, right? Yeah. We just talked on the of uh, the books blowed about uh, the uh, Batman uh, Dark Knight. What was it called? A Dark Knight mystery. Yeah. What, was, what was it called? A Dark Knight true story. The Paul Dini, a Dark Knight, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so anyway, uh, that was done by Edward Riso. Yep. And we were talking about how much we missed him, and he, we hadn't seen him around in a while. And lo and behold, two weeks later, or three weeks later, here comes an Edward Riso, Brian Azzarello crime story, yep. which I thought this was fantastic. Now, I remember this uh, being solicited. Isn't there a supernatural twist that's supposed to happen? Like it was sold yes. in the... Yes, that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, so I was reading this like, all right, and then and I was like, but wait, something's gonna happen that makes me not like it. 
Yeah. And so, and we haven't seen that here. So I thought, you know, I, I liked it a lot. I liked the tone. I liked what it was going for, but I'm mistrustful of it. Also, I have, um, I have Azarello. Um, I, I always end up dropping off because I, I like that tone is really nice, but sometimes he doesn't get to the point. Um, well, he's very much. I mean, he works great in trade, as we know. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah no, Moonshine is, is is was pitched as a crossover of two genres. Um, you got the you know the gangsters and prohibition times mixed with a werewolf horror story. There, I'm out. <laughs> I, it's, I mean, it's right there in the title too. Moonshine, big moon. I get it. I see it now. Yep. But I love Riso. But, so, all right. I, so, I mean, talk talking about what has happened and not what's going to happen. I thought this was a really great. Yes. Uh, opening to a crime story about uh, the Joe Mazzaria, uh gang trying to get in on this great moonshine that's being uh, made up in the woods. Appalachia. And Appalachia. And they send, a, they send an emissary out there to make a deal, and he, he runs into the local uh, culture. And I thought this was a really great issue. Yeah. Really great issue. Me too. I thought it was a great start. We'll see how much I cringe when we get to the werewolves. And there's a, there's a little moment of the werewolves in the story, but it's all in the shadows um, right. You don't quite know exactly what happens unless you heard the pitch that we just told you. Sorry, spoiler. Yeah, you could you could um, assume it was just dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So as, um, as as the story on the page, I thought it was really well done. Although, Ron, you're the, correct me if I'm wrong here. With the uh, you're more you're you're the mafia expert. Yep. I don't think they cared about the quality of their of their liquor. I thought that was odd. Yeah, I mean, in fact, the more the more it was cut, the better because it could sell more of it during. Yeah, the, but I mean, but for the sake of the story, it, that's it's, I, I, yeah. I, yes, I was just that yeah. that occurred to me briefly, and I was like, ah, whatever. Yeah, it's the story. But you know, but he's called Power Man. Listen, he's wearing the <laughs> outfit. He's wearing the tiara and the yellow shirt. <laughs> Fine, you want to call the book Cage, but the characters in the book should call him Power Man. All right, fair enough. All right, moving on. Uh, did anybody read Champions number one? Yes. yes. What do you? What do we think? Yay or nay? It's fun. I enjoyed it, but I don't like Division characters being in it. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I think that takes away from what they were doing over there, and to just have her be here, like everything's fine, was weird. Other than that, um, I liked it. She had it was like it was like reading Young Avengers again. This I was just gonna say. This ties into this. So, so this is a new team book written by Mark Wade with art by Humberto Ramos. Which, by the way, the first the flashback, uh, the Ms. Marvel flashback pages were what they did with the coloring to make it. I, I love that. Great art. I, he did. I, he I, did wonderful. Yeah, great job. art. Ramos is amazing. But um, this is basically the next generation of heroes. You know, on the cover you've got young Nova, Ms. Marvel, the the daughter Vision, Miles Morales, uh, young Cyclops, and you got uh, Amadeus Cho Hulk. And, you know, going back to what we're talking about Superman, this is attempting to take the younger characters and put them on on a stage, which I think is really cool because I think that um, uniquely each one of these characters are interesting on their own and seeing how they interact together. Nobody can do that better than Mark Wade. Um, Although I do also good. I was going to say, I do think it's funny that the cover features all those characters and the inside cover highlights five of them, but they don't mention Cyclops, even though he's sitting right there because he hasn't been introduced in the book yet. But I just thought that was funny. So. Um, I like the idea that the young heroes say, all right, this is dumb. All you older heroes are fucking everything up with your constant infighting. Yes. We're going to go off and we're going to quit our teams and go off on our own. I thought I thought that was a conceit to start to start this story off. That was really great. Yep. It's it again. It's we were talking about this before that like the best Civil War two things are the ones that were the characters like this is stupid. Right. Yeah. Again, yep. like that's happening again. Um, I also think just visually, I think we saw in Jessica Jones, we saw uh, Ms. Marvel, uh, Miles Morales and and Nova fly by. They look cool together. 
Yep. It's a nice visual. And then when you have that with, with Amadeus Cho Hulk, I think that yep. works really well at the same time. And even like if you take away the context of where, where the Viv character works with the vision book, like she's got a part there that makes sense. It's 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 a good cohesion. It's yes, a good it is. It's, it's, a, yeah, it's, it's a good, good mix of characters. Yeah, so I like it. I'm I'm on board. So and when 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 Cyclops joins, it'll be also interesting. I think this is yeah. a good mix of characters. And yeah, he's uh, a great hero. He's a great hero. But also we see you know some future characters too. And there's a scene at the end where you know we see the the Iron what's her name the new Iron Man. Oh, uh, Riri. Uh, Riri and a young a young Wasp. I guess there's yep. a new Wasp. They shouldn't put too well, many people on this team. Well, this is and this is this is the this is the next generation of Marvel. Whether you is that know, a White I'll, Falcon? Who was that character? Um, is that White Falcon? Yeah, it looks like a White Falcon. They I should don't know who name that him that. Just White as a, just as payback. <laughs> who's the, who's the, All who's right, the fine. You're gonna name him Black Panther, White Falcon. <laughs> who's the girl with the dinosaur? Well, that's the that's, that's the uh, Moon Devil, Girl and Devil Moon Dinosaur girl, yeah. book. I don't read that yeah. book. That's it's, what I'm a, it's a good kids book. Yeah, yeah it's a kids book. So it, it, maybe not all of them at once. Maybe a rotating cast of young yeah. characters. And, but, not to, but not to go not to go back to the well. But the uh, the White Falcon's costume looks very GI Joe reminiscent. It does. He looks like sci-fi that. a little bit. Yeah. So. <laughs> all right, White finally, Falcon. Finally, Green Valley number one, written by Max Landis, uh, with art by Giuseppe Camicoli, and and uh, I fucking love this. It was good. I really liked it a lot too. And just like with um, what was the Lake of Fire? I was like, all right, where's gonna be the what's gonna be the um, it's the supernatural twist. And it feels yeah. like there isn't gonna be one in this. And I was very happy about it. Well, if there's like, someone who can sell a straight book like this, it would be Max Landis. Yep. Right? Yeah. I mean, he he can pitch it. I, I say we will about Max Landis and it's been whatever. He can pitch a concept. Like he's really good at pitching. <laughs> but also, I mean, look, take a, uh, put aside all this antics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we loved American Alien, Super Superman, American Alien last. True. Last yep. yep. It, it was like four, it was like three picks of the week out of that four, five issue miniseries. Um, and this issue was really really good. It was it's a it was medieval, <laughs> medieval story about a group of super badass warriors who I, protect their, Caledonia. their town yeah. from barbarians and. And they, you know, these four guys drive off four hundred barbarians, and they have their celebratory feast. And the oldest warrior is going to retire with his hot young wife, and uh, things go sideways. And yeah. uh, I thought this was fantastic. The art was great. The Kevin Coley. The, I, I wanted to, I, you know, uh, Kevin Coley drew Hellblazer for years. That's how I know him most. He did Spider Man after that, which seems like a weird thing. Um, but I really like his range here. Like you could tell it was the same guy who drew Hellblazer, but he was doing it in a completely different way. Right. Um, and uh, Jean-Francois Bellieu, uh, who's normally coloring Scotty Young, uh, colored this, and I thought did a great job as well with all that firelight. Yep. I thought it was yeah. really, really good. Good stuff. Really impressed by it. Yeah, so. really fun. Yeah. Yep. This is a great week. Great week. True. Really great su- week. Such a great week, in fact, that when it came down to our patrons to vote to pick a book uh, for us to discuss, we had uh, it was neck and neck amongst like six books, right? Yeah, they were tied. To the they were tied. Yeah, yeah it was it, Green Valley was in the mix. Uh, 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 Shade the Changing Girl was in the mix. Hey, so, hey, Betty Boop number one was. In the Betty mix. Boop was in the mix. Yeah, Special we didn't get talk, talk. We didn't get talk about Betty Boop. Oh, geez. But uh, but but uh, Josh, what was the patron pick of the week? Black number one. Uh, written by Kwanzaa Osiefo, uh, art by Jamal Igel, art assist by Stephen Walker, and uh, inking by Robin Riggs. 
Uh, this is this was kickstarted, right? Yes. Yeah, and it came out through Black Mask. I think is yes. correct. Um, it was okay. <laughs> I, I thought I thought it was uh I thought that it was I'm just like I don't I thought it was kind of boring. I, here's the here's the thing here's the thing I I really like the cover the cover was by Carrie Randolph right yes yeah, yeah he just does and covers though and I like him that a lot co- that cover and that cover is great um and then I open up the book and it's you know it's 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 illustrated by Jamal Eigel who who we you know we've known for years and and are big fans of um. And it's not black and white, but it's got tones, but it's not full color and that sort of thing. Um, so immediately, like the art for me, I have so a disconnect between the cover and the interiors. Just you know, just from a from a um, stylistic point. from a stylistic approach, right? Not neither good or bad. It's just like okay, this is different. But then the story itself um, felt really kind of middle of the road. That's what that's what I was getting. It was funny because when I was yeah. trying to think of something to say, and I was I was stalling. It was that I I couldn't remember anything about it. Right. Well, it, it, the, the, that, it writer, was, the writer came, comes from editorial. He was uh, a he DC at, editor for a yeah, long time. Yeah, well, he worked at um, Zuda for a long time. Yeah. Um, I think, so, considering the political climate right now, this could be a very powerful book. The, yep. You know, the, the conceit, the pitch is that in this world, um, the only people's superpowers are black. And the cover, the image on the cover, the carry on off image is a very powerful one considering what's been going on in the world. And so I was like, wow, this is going to be very interesting because, yeah. you know, this is the perfect climate for it. You and you get really that, and, this, and the cover is really striking with a character yeah. in a hoodie holding his hands up and you got riot police behind him. Yeah. So. And then, it, then you're right. Then it, it just sort of unfolded very, very middle of the roadie. I didn't, I didn't really, I don't, I think a more experienced writer would have handled this topic better. There. Yeah. It, I felt, felt like it wasn't explained very well that. If I didn't know the pitch, I wouldn't have understood what was happening in it. Right. Um, you know, I thought, well, if 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 people have superpowers, why don't anyone? Why does anyone know about it? That wasn't really explained. Um, so that I'm not. It, it got very the, the big organization that shows. I just I don't know. I just felt like this wasn't as sharp politically as it should have been, considering. And it's also a mini. It's only a mini series. It's not like it's an ongoing. So. So currently, currently right now from Image Comics, there's a book being published um, by Jimmy Robinson called Power Lines. Um, It's in the middle. It's like issue three or four right now. It's dealing with a somewhat similar concept. Um, In the Bay Area, um, a black kid gets superpowers and he is like he's being mistaken for a criminal. And so that's part of the story. And it's a much more interesting and relevant modern take on it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in I mean, that way, like what, what Connor, what you were just talking about, uh, when I'm reading power lines, it, that is, I think a lot more what you're talking about, what you were, I guess, hoping for mm-hmm. in terms of tone. So if, if, if you've read this and feel that way or want to check that out, that's another kind of story, um, yeah. that's dealing with race and superpowers and sort of that way. But this just was, you know, it was, this, this is just, this is just, you know, teen gets powers and it happens to be cause he, cause he's black. I mean, that, that's the, you know, that's, it's that's new Superman. It's the same yeah. story. Yeah, exactly. But without so, the charm that is going on yeah. there. And, and so, especially with it coming from black mask, which is a little more subversive and a little more, you know, kind of, you know, uh, they're the people who put out the Occupy Wall Street anthology yeah. and all this sort of stuff. You know, I expected it to be a little more, uh, politically charged or politically yeah, I thought it'd be more pointed. Yeah. I mean, and I wanted less, it to be. I, I wanted it to be. Yeah, this is so. less. This is less political than Flintstones. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agreed. So, um, 
And now maybe I'm not, you know, I'm not black. Maybe I feel differently as a black reader. So that if it works, if it's working for people, then, then that's yeah. And and it's not, and it's not and it wasn't bad. I mean, yeah. it, and and it's and it's great and it's good to see. You know, in terms of we got representation and all stuff like that. Like that, those are things I want to support. And I wouldn't just want a book that's capitalizing on the you know the Black Lives Matter movement or or any of those things like that. I wouldn't. I I you know. So it's a delicate balance. But I I just I feels like this has gotten a lot of hype. And I read it. I was like, oh okay. Well, that's just this. this well, that's I, the thing. I, I, it, it was sold as that thing that Connor was talking about. I think yeah. Yeah. the iconography yeah. of the cover alone, and and the way that it was, that it was going to be more challenging, and maybe it will be. Yeah. yeah. You would think that this is a great way to examine what happens when the power dynamic is flipped. Yep. Right. I mean, that's what the cover sort of implies. You can see the kid. You know, the kid's surrounded by cops, and he's got his hands up. But you know, this his sort of half smile shows he's not afraid anymore you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. the promise of the cover is something that I didn't the issue didn't deliver on i know we almost never talk about the cover but the cover right. is so striking that um, was great yeah so. and just the idea of the pitch i thought it'd be much more pointed than it was but we'll yeah. see as josh said it could still go that way and we'll, you know. and, and again it was it was it was good it was it, it, yeah. we're not saying this was bad it just it's just, i yeah you know i just expected a little more maybe and maybe that's a matter of managing expectations and all that sort of thing so check, i would anyway. if you want more of that though, i would check out power lines from jimmy robinson so it's it currently being published too all right so ratings 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 ratings, ratings. ratings. for black number one i josh. give it Josh, Connor. Josh, Josh, Connor. Josh, always, Josh is the closer. All right, Connor. I give it a three. Uh, I give it a three and a half. Two and a half. Wow, okay. Sticking with it. Yes, at least for the next one. Yes, at least for the next one. Yes, yeah, at least for the next one. <laughs> All right, there you go. <laughs> the reason why we're talking about, talk about that book is because people went to patreon.com slash fanboy and they gave some money. And now they can vote every week on a book to put in the show. And that's what they did. And thank you, patrons who voted. And you can check out every Wednesday the voting goes live. And it goes live for about 24 hours. And you can vote on a book for us to talk about. Yeah. And any book you want from the shipping list. And also, I fanboy patrons, uh, the first wave of rewards went out in the mail. Um, so uh, the our first patron should should have gotten them by now. If you haven't gotten them yet, the international folks, just you know, it should be coming. If you don't get something about a week or so, let us know. Um, if you're a newer patron, you'll be in the next wave, which is coming out soon as well. But we're getting everybody who signs up for Patreon is uh, who gets a reward is getting it in the mail. So look 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 to your mailman. And this is all a way to help iFanboy.com. Go to fanboy.com slash support. That's where you can uh, use our Amazon link to make your purchases. We get a little piece of that action and it helps keep the show going. And as we said, uh, iFanboy.com slash Patreon. Patreon is a link that gets you to patreon.com slash iFanboy. It's all inverted. And uh, you can help us out there. And there's lots of great rewards. As Ron just said, people got some prize packs, gave it a certain level. And uh, you can vote on the books. And there's all kinds of fun. We have our monthly hangout. All kinds of great stuff happens uh, if you're a patron of the show. So we thank everyone who does that. Yes. And uh, that gets us to the point where uh, we want to thank some patrons. Uh, Everyone who uh, uh, folks who become a patron on Patreon at a certain level uh, get a thank you. And we bestow them with a superpower. Some say they're dumb. I think they're awesome. Uh, So, Connor, (laughs) you're the first one up. uh, So why don't you take it away? We want to thank Michael Webb. And uh, Michael Webb's power is a little sad, guys. Oh, no. Sometimes there's tragedy in superpowers. Much like Rogue cannot touch, feel the, feel the touch of another human, yep. uh, Michael can see a mile away. 
but he can only see a mile away. <laughs> that's so all, that's he's great as, a, as like a scout on top of like a, you know, a parapet in a castle, but uh, literally that's it, though. Literally, that's it. You could stand right in front of him, wave your hands. He wouldn't be able to see any of it. Right. It's very sad. Wow. Sorry, Michael. So, sorry, Michael. Sorry, Michael. All right. Uh, well, our next patron that we want to thank is David B. Cooper, who at first glance, you'd think he'd have the ability to jump out of a plane. Uh, but no, no, he doesn't. Disappear into the night with money? No. To disappear into the night, to, to look very good in a suit. Nope, nope. That would, that, that would be all too easy. Um, no, uh, David B. Cooper, he can speed read. He can, like, he can read read a book in like speed reader. No, but like a like a hyperspeed reader. He can he can, he oh, can read hyperspeed. That's yeah, different. Yes, hyperspeed reader. Any book length, he can read it in seconds. Almost like the Flash, but that's the only thing he can do fast is read. Does he retain the information? Yes, he does. That's nice. Yeah, interesting. It's interesting. That he must have been really well with the keys. <laughs> it's interesting that you said that. In okay. fact, such that I was like, God, maybe I should change mine, but I don't want to. Uh, that I thought of just before you said that, um, which was Eddie Woodley. Perfect spelling. <laughs> At all times. It's freakish, but he's never spelled a word wrong ever. What about wow. Other languages? Just English? I, I mean, he would have to try it. So I, I suspect, though, that even if he doesn't know the language, they'd be like, how do you spell and he'd be like, oh, it's like this. That's how to do it. Yeah. 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 Perfect, perfect spelling. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, you can spell that, no problem? Well, I can spell that. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that would be be Even though the sound of it is somewhat quite atrocious? There's there's not, if you say it loud enough, you'll always sound precocious. Um, (laughs) Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, I had to hit the the tonic there. Um, I'm the lie, I'm the lie. No, you went into a different part, because I was afraid to speak when I was just a lad. Me mother gave me nose a tweet. That's what Dick Van Dyke sounded like, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So perfect spelling, Eddie Woodley. Um, so check check the copy on this stuff. Finally, Greg McCorin, McCrowen, sorry, McCrowen. Uh, he has indestructible fingernails. <laughs> Do they stop growing, or how does? Yeah, it- the thing is, they don't they don't grow beyond normal length. They've stopped growing, but they're indestructible. Wow, that's handy. So, like, if he could stop a bullet, if they managed to only hit his fingernails. So, like, oh. like, like Wonder Woman, but with the nails. But you, the brace is much more, much more area to work with. Whereas the fingernails, you're looking with like a half inch square space here. But he's got ten of them. So, he, what about what about toenails? No, just the fingers. But also, I mean, like, he could put his fingers to get fingertips together to create like a little, like a little two inch wall. But if that bullet hits his knuckle, it's all over. The finger's coming I off. I imagine that there's times where you could hurt yourself like that. Yes. Like you're too aggressively scratching your scalp or something. Oh, right. Come, yeah. Are they yeah. sharper than normal? They're just indestructible. Okay. You know, they're not super strong. Yeah, it's, not like he, it's not like he can claw through a wall. I got to say, it's right. difficult to find a, a practical application for that. I'm racking right. my brain a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, these are like you said. These are oftentimes curses instead of gifts. It's, it's, it's not. It's not always uh, flying around saving the day. Sometimes it's just or jumping out of a Yeah. So uh, if you would like a 
questionable power. Uh, go to patreon.com slash fanboy. Sign up, become a patron today, and you get all the fun perks that we've already talked about. Um, all right. Well, we're running long, so we're going to skip emails this week. Uh, we'll get back to them next week, and we'll hear from you. If you want to email us, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com and tell us who you are, where you're from, how long you thought about it, uh, and we always like to hear from you. Um, coming up, we've got some more podcasts on the way. Uh, Luke Cage, the, the Netflix series, has come out, uh, and we are working our way through it, and when we get to a point where we can talk about it, we will. Um, I was surprised to see Josh is in on it. It's there's so many episodes. Why do they make so many episodes? No, I, agreed. Uh, I get to the end of six. I'm like, all right, I'm feeling good. There's seven more. Yeah, that'll, <laughs> that'll be coming. Um, and then also coming in November uh, is the next superhero movie, which is Doctor Strange from Marvel. Um, and so we're going to be looking forward to that. And we're going to gather a crack team of podcasters to talk about that movie when it comes out. Uh, unfortunately, that won't include Connor because he'll be away. So. Sorry. But it'll be good. It'll be a fun time. So be, be on the lookout for that all at ifanboy.com. So thanks to the patrons, as opposed to the freeloaders, you know who you are. <laughs> I'm going to try uh, guilt-based marketing. I think that's going to work really well. Uh, we are, because of the patrons, we are we have restarted uh, Talksplode, Booksplode, as you probably know, because you've been listening. And everybody gets to listen, thanks to the patrons. Um, this month, we are scheduled for another Talksplode. And I am not entirely comfortable telling you who it is quite yet because I want to nail it down, but it's good, good. and it's quite relevant uh, to this episode. Cool. Is it Stanley? I mean, it's, I think we, I think we, uh, we plumbed that well. I just, I just thought we would have met Stanley by now. We have just because he didn't remember <laughs> right. us doesn't mean that you can't remember him. True. Good point. Uh, find, head over to ifanboy.com to comment on this show. Talk about this Did week's I, books. Find our other podcasts. Yes. Did, did I did I elucidate that like Talksplode means it's our interview, our creator interview podcast? I feel like I Talk don't explain that, but I we just assume everyone knows that. Yeah, we should. Yeah. It's an interview with a, a comic creator or a notable personality. So yeah, yeah. Just leaving the door open just in case we yeah. can't get a creator. <laughs> <laughs> this is Bill. Josh talks to Ron. <laughs> That's literally what we do. Head over to ifanboy.com to find, uh, comment on this show. You can find other podcasts we just mentioned. Josh did a Talksplode with Gabriel Harbin, Cran Becko a couple months ago. You can find our other uh, special edition shows there as well. You can follow us at ifanboy, uh, facebook.com slash ifanboy and at ifanboy on Twitter. And individually, we are at, at Jay Flanagan, at C.S. Kilpatrick, and at Ronick, So, Yes. And if you enjoy this show, please let other people know. Uh, go to iTunes or any other podcast platform that allows for reviews and leave a rating and a review. Uh, let people know what you think of us, uh, good or bad. Uh, and, of course, uh, tell your friends, tell your comic book store, tell anybody about it. Say, hey, listen, I Fanboy is the best podcast. You can go check it out, become a patron, all that fun stuff. Do that. Um, so let's go wrap it up for this week's show. We want to thank everyone for listening to the Parade of Number Ones. Uh, and until next week, I'm Ron. Well, before I say I'm Connor, I feel like we should mention one last thing, which is the source of many of our jokes is now over. What do you mean? I finally got a new iPad. Whoa. Wow. You talk about burying the lead. Yeah. I, uh, no more hand cranks. Wow. That explains the lack of noise behind you, yeah. I think. Good, good news. That's going to help. I, That's going to clear up your breathing right up. Yeah. I can see better. Um, my eyes water less. Uh-huh. All right. And the most important thing is I can get to the books during the show, which is what was like not were, always the case before. You were yeah. paying that uh, that carbon tax too, so that's going to help. Yeah. <laughs> also, I didn't know these comics had bright colors in them. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting yeah. reading them without a haze of gray over everything. So I, I, that's I, nice. the, the, the vertical scan lines. 
probably yeah. aren't helping. And then uh, the flickering, obviously. I don't have yeah. to hit the side of it anymore to get the picture. <laughs> it's weird how it had an antenna and that that would affect yeah. the picture. Yeah, even the even the HD antenna only helped a little bit. It was it was uh, it was all ordeal, but that's gone now. I've got a new one. There you go. Congratulations. No Thank you very much. I'm Connor. I'm Josh. I know I